What's up, everybody? Thank you for listening to Cinephiles Digest. This is episode 29. My name is Matt, and I have two very special guests joining me on the show today. First off, I'd like to introduce Tom. What's going on, bud? Hey, man. I'm here. I'm Mikeless today, so uh, sorry about that. We'll yeah, be we'll- sharing. <laughs> We've done it in the past, so it'll be fine. Uh, and Travis, welcome. What's up? You guys aren't actually special special guests. I tricked everybody. Yeah, not really. <laughs> but you're special to me, damn it. Um, so like I said at the top of the show, this is episode 29. This week, we are going to be discussing the surprise Netflix blockbuster, The Cloverfield Paradox. Trailer dropped during the Super Bowl, and then mere hours later, it was available for streaming. So it's the talk of the town right now. We're going to be discussing that later in the show. Uh, we're also bringing back the Rotten Tomatoes game, so we'll be playing that at the end. Fan favorite. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> we'll also be talking about what else we've been watching and the usual shenanigans. So before we get started, let's uh, go around the table and check in. How's everybody been doing? Tom, you can go first. Hmm. I'm doing good. I sold my piece of shit car, so we're a one-car family now. It's pretty exciting. <laughs> I'll be taking the bus more often, but uh, you know, it's good for the environment good for the old pocketbook so i feel pretty good about so what was the main decision. reason just no need for it did not want to buy a new battery for it <laughs> and it's, it's not deal, worth it's a anything. deal breaker <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's a it's time. it had served its time yeah. with with me i was done with it both emotionally and financially <laughs> <laughs> all right yeah what about you travis what's going on uh, I went to West Seattle yesterday, hung out, ate a lot of food, and uh, did some record shopping. It was pretty cool. What did you, uh, did you pick up? Any uh, any new records? I picked up quite a few. I was doing some bargain shopping though, just because records those price tags <laughs> they're outrageous. Yeah, it's like twenty five to forty dollars for like a new record. Oh, especially when you buy at a record store. I mean, they kind of mark up yeah. the prices, but that's I mean that's part of the fun, like sifting through and yeah, you're gonna pay a premium because you're buying it at a record yeah. store. Yeah, that's part of the. But they f- had the fun. a three for ten bin, so I was getting a few of those. Got some movie soundtracks, <laughs> of course. <laughs> Beverly Hills Cop. <laughs> oh, you dude, Axel F. <laughs> I don't. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Matt, do Good you shit. listen to? Film soundtracks, I feel like this is only Travis who's actually doing this. Only a couple. I listen to the Fountain soundtrack like quite a bit. Um, it's fun. Uh, I listen to the Drive soundtrack. Not as much as I used to, but I used to be obsessed yeah, with that. Yeah, but the Drive soundtrack is like a collection of songs. mainly. Like, so you mean like film scores? Yes. Not really. Both. Mostly the Fountain. Yeah. Okay. yeah. I got King of Comedy. It's got a talking head song on it. <laughs> Pretty stoked. <laughs> I don't even know what's... Is that basically just like a bunch of like 70s rock music? Like what? It's been so long since I've seen King. Um, it's got a B.B. King song on it. Pretenders. Oh, Thrill is Gone? Uh, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, but it's... Yeah, it's got a good variety. I don't know. I just want to get a... Just a, like a starting collection going on and I feel like I have that now. Hey, uh, Travis, have you heard the new David Byrne single that is out? Yes, the Everybody's Coming to My House or and whatever. Pretty much everyone is on that song with him. It's like five featured artists. Oh, really? Yeah. I didn't realize. Have you you listened to it, though? Yeah. Were you I, into it? Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to see him. 
Oh, really? Yeah, I got tickets. Okay. Are you, are you talking about Sasquatch or something no, else? No, just at Paramount. Oh, when is that happening? In May. Oh, so he's playing, like, he's also playing Sasquatch, but... Yeah. How do you feel about Sasquatch? It's a cool lineup, but not enough to get me there. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's the best. Have you looked out, Tom? I feel like it's, like, the best Sasquatch lineup in a while. Yeah, it. I, I think so, too, but I don't know if I... Are you guys going, though? ...would go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's such a commitment. You oh, know? dude, it's, it's like, an endurance test. It's a whole thing. It's like a two-week experience because there's all the prep time and then there's all the recovery time. Oh, yeah, definitely. It's expensive, too. Yeah, it's a fucking gorge, though, dude. It's amazing. I, like, I went to the gorge once last year, and it was just one night. Like, I've only done the camping thing. Well, okay. I've been to Sasquatch once, and we stayed at a motel so it really wasn't that bad because we i mean getting out of that parking lot every night fucking sucks but you know getting back into sleep in a bed wake up shower like it made it a lot more manageable mm. than having to stay in those shitty campsites for because it's, it's it's friday saturday sunday and monday right like it's a four oh day. yeah oh i think they went down to three. Oh, did they because that changed only three day passes for oh, it oh. used to be four i mean friday was a short day it would start at like five like, or something in yeah. the evening but still, it's a long time to be out there. I didn't shower the whole time I was there. Yeah, it's gross. <laughs> Those showers are disgusting. It was brutal. I would imagine the porta party, porta parties, oh, yeah. <laughs> late night porta parties, <laughs> <Hell> maybe. <yeah. laughs> um, I would imagine they get pretty gnarly. I mean, even after Tool, like yeah, those were gross. No. Yeah, baby Truly wipes horrifying. are your friend. <laughs> Someone. Uh, yeah, when we went and saw a tool, someone left uh, some baby wipes in one of the porta potties. So I, I took advantage of those for my morning dump. <laughs> <laughs> it was pretty good. Uh, well, that's cool. So you got some records. Yep. Had a ball romping around with Seattle. Yep. That's going to be uh, what I consider home in the next couple of weeks here. I'm finally having to move out of my apartment of five years. My roommate doesn't want to renew. So the times they are a change and yeah. moving on. Exciting stuff. I'm excited to come visit you, Matt. No, you aren't so far away. So? Well, Seattle's cool. Yeah, it's cool. But. <laughs> You're going to be at Alki every day this summer, bro. I'm going to be busting out my rollerblades. Volleyballing <laughs> oh, yeah. around. Working on my beach body. Mm-hmm. It's going to be sweet. <laughs> There's a, one of the little cafes down there has uh, 40s for sale. So, Wait, really? Uh, yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah, you can just hit a Mickey's up. In their little little beer garden at the beach. <laughs> <laughs> Tight. I'll have to check it out. Um, well, cool. Um, anything else anyone wants to mention? Oh, before we get into our review, we were going to discuss the passing of a film figure that I think all three of us were very fond of. Uh, the film composer, Johan Johansson, has passed away at the age of 48. Uh, I don't really think there's any details yet. We don't know the cause of death, but it's sad. I mean, the dude was only 48. He didn't become a film composer until like five or six years ago. I believe his first actual score was uh, Prisoners. Um, but he did the <clears throat> the score for a lot of Denny Villeneuve's work, like Sicario, Arrival. Uh, he was originally the composer for Blade Runner, but he got the axe. And then Hans came in and finished. He had that amazing song for the trailer of Battle Los Angeles. Was that his song? Yeah. <laughs> it's like the sun's gone dim and the <clears throat> sky's gone black. Or yeah, something I like remember that. the song. Yeah. But he, long before that, he was a, a prolific musician in, in Iceland. He, his, 
was a musician for a very long time. So very unfortunate that we're not going to get to hear another one of his scores, but because um, he was one of my like current favorites. I love oh, yeah. that guy. Him and Clint Mansell. You think Chicago. this had to do something with uh, Blade Runner? Maybe he was sick. Just gave him a heart attack or something? Or... No, I don't know. Depression. But I mean, he also did the score for The Theory of Everything, which I don't know if you guys saw that movie, but it's a lovely score. Um, uh, other than that, mostly uh, mostly Denny Villeneuve films. But Didn't he do Mother? Uh yeah, yeah, I believe so. It's he's not listed on his on his composer list here, but I thought I read that. Yeah, maybe he did the soundtrack? No. Well, I don't know, but anyway, yes, he was a very talented individual and uh, I think we'll all we'll all miss his work. Well, we'll appreciate his work, but we're sad that we won't get to see more work from him in the future. So, RIP, buddy. Um all right. Anything else you guys want to get into before we talk about the Cloverfield Paradox? No, I think we're no, good. No, let's talk about Cloverfield. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's do it. Well, you guys know the drill. We have a clip. Let's take a listen. What are you doing here? No. What are you two doing up here? Against commander's orders. I don't answer to you, Volkov. No? No. And who are you answering to? German intelligence. Where did you get that gun from? Atiyofasha. Chancellor Gerlach, put that gun down, Volkov. Gerlach gave. Stop it! <coughs> Who gave you the wartime order? Put the gun down! You need help, Volkov! Drop it! Are you crazy? Put that gun down! Okay, the Cloverfield Paradox is set in the Cloverfield film universe. This is now the third film, uh, preceded by Cloverfield and 10 Cloverfield Lane. Plot synopsis reads, Orbiting a planet on the brink of war, scientists test a device to solve an energy crisis and end up face-to-face with a dark alternate reality. film was directed by Julius Ona and stars David Oyelowo, uh, Daniel Bruhl, Chris O'Dowd, uh, someone named Gugu Mbathara, which is a sweet name. Uh, this movie, uh, kind of came out of nowhere. We've known it's been in the works and in kind of in like post-release hell for a few years now, because it was previously known as God Particle, but Netflix picked it up and dropped it as a surprise <clears throat> Super Bowl, uh, marketing ploy. Uh, what did you guys think of the Cloverfield Paradox? Well, that's exactly what it was, Matt. A marketing ploy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was not very good. Uh, it was pretty much a remake of life from last year. <laughs> uh, everything on the ship or the, on the space station was confusing. Didn't really make a lot of sense. It was overcomplicated. Pointless. <clears throat> and the stuff surrounding the movie is the only stuff that was really interesting to me. And it's kind of annoying how it was shoehorned into this space story. Yeah, but it also felt like... the. St- the stuff that was outside of the space station felt like low production value. The performances yeah. weren't good. The writing in this movie is shit. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's awful. This movie is hot dog garbage. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I did not enjoy a single moment. <clears throat> Thought it was almost unwatchable. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> I mean, I, I thought it was pretty bad as well but i would i would put it about on par with life 
you know, there were a couple moments that were kind of enjoyable. I like the look of the space station. Yeah. Some of the, the shots from space, it wasn't the best, like, CG, you know, but it didn't look awful. Um, I'm not saying life was good, but it was more entertaining and I think just moved better and was just like a more enjoyable experience overall. Everything in this movie felt totally random. There are like six <laughs> yeah. or seven different types of things that happen to the crew on the space station, like whether it be some sort of physical threat or something weird that's just like, you know, a parallel universe thing going on or like drama between the characters and none of them get revisited. None of them have like any serious impact on what's happening. I've never felt less attached to characters in, in this movie. <laughs> yeah, and everything was just so like inconsequential, like it didn't really make a lot of sense. The movie plays with the idea of like parallel realities like merging together and the way they handle that is just one predictable and two just it didn't really make sense what the movie was trying to do. Like, they no. were trying to play with these heady concepts, but it was pretty straightforward and uninteresting. Like, they could have done some cool things with that. And visually, there was one moment, it's kind of like the first moment that the two realities, like, merge, where they hear, like, a like crying or whatever coming from inside a wall, and they, like, open up the wall. <laughs> but the where the, what ends up happening with that plot line is also really predictable, and it was just... Like Travis has said, it's really not that entertaining. Like, there's really not that much that happens in the movie. Like, and also there's this like uh, subplot that takes place on Earth with like the main character's like husband, and he's like finds this girl and he's like trying to find her parents. Like that whole thing yeah. is so it felt like filler. Mm -hmm. Like they needed to make a feature length movie, so they just put in this side story as a buffer. But really, it doesn't actually have any relevance to the greater story but doesn't really do anything as far as character development like completely pointless i don't they don't there's like technology on the space station mm. that no is never explained <laughs> like what the fuck is that gyro yeah well, uh, what is that it's supposed to help them like it's like the source of all of their power <clears throat> and no one ever says anything about it to explain what this thing is or why it's important <laughs> <laughs> yeah so that whole thing was stupid and um on rotten tomatoes like if you look at like the the summary it says uh brilliantly casted but ultimately messy blah 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 brilliantly cast like i saw that too <laughs> what is it because it's like they... a diverse cast i don't know <laughs> what they mean by that i honestly don't think anyone in the cast is one like yeah david oh oh yellow or whatever he right it can be a great actor but like everyone else they were mostly fine they're also not actors i've heard of so it's not like well you you knew a couple of them right like the yeah. guy who plays the german dude He's in a few movies. Yeah, he was in uh, a Zookeeper's Wife last year. He plays like a, a Nazi. He's in Inglorious Bastards. Yeah, he's in that too. And oh, he's, he's in Rush. In, he's in Rush. Yeah. And then the the Chinese woman is the woman from Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Oh, I didn't catch that. Did yeah. Neither, neither did I. Uh, what? I forget Chris his O'Dowd. name. Yeah, he's from like a bunch he's, of comedies. Yeah. Bridesmaids. Yeah. 
a weird fit for this. Yeah, he yeah. seemed he seemed out of place. They tried to really dial up the comedy about halfway through the movie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was totally tonally the movie totally was totally off. Totally off. It was <laughs> uh I'm I'm even trying to think of like I was never I would never say I was bored, but also like I was never really invested in anything oh, that was happening, you know. I was so bored. <laughs> so bored. I think what makes this movie so unwatchable for me is that I don't really see any redeeming qualities, but I was constantly just battered by stupid things or unexplained moments or like situations that would never happen. You know, just, you know, like the logistics of the whole thing or, you know, kind of nitpicky stuff that people usually can overlook. But it's just like... I don't want to, you know, ruin any of the scenes because I don't think we need to get into spoilers. But yeah, there are parts when they just say su- such stupid things like, "Oh, this has to happen before we can do that," and I'm like, "What? You guys didn't know that before?" Or like, <laughs> I-, I don't know. It's just hard to move past and enjoy anything <laughs> when those types of well incidents are coming up. Constantly. I think the only thing that makes this movie interesting is the Cloverfield stuff that surrounds it. Right, like where does it fall in the universe? But it really just feels like a like a placeholder for a slot in this universe. Like, sure, it opened up the world a bit more, and now there's like stuff to think about and stuff to connect it to. But like, without the Cloverfield stuff in it, it just it's another shitty like space crew movie. See, I feel like the Cloverfield stuff didn't add anything to that universe like like at least 10 cloverfield lane was a really good effective movie that kind of has like the cloverfield stuff thrown in at the end i feel like if anything this movie just like muddied the waters even more because now are we supposed to think like the reason why that monster showed up is because they merged these realities we're getting into lost territory now with these movies yeah it just (laughs) it doesn't make any sense and it 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 just adds confusion to the formula because now we're supposed to think is this them using this technology to like harness energy? Is this what merged the universes? But are we supposed to believe that in the parallel universe, that's where these monsters exist or them? Did they just open a portal to another dimension that brought in? This these is monsters? just ripping off the mist. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, it's I disgusting. mean, <laughs> you were saying before, like you threw me a, for a loop when you told me the timeline because I thought and and Matt you thought that this was an origin story but they both take place later so well, like were the we're, first two movies in universe 1 and the third movie We're dealing in with two? different timelines now and different worlds. I mean, aren't we <laughs> No one is that interested <laughs> in following that. Was this not supposed to be like the outbreak like because there's stuff happening on Earth, but it doesn't seem that fucked yet. Like, because right, the, the dude's just like driving around. And he's like, it's I feel like we're getting there, into but... spoiler territory for those who care. Yeah, <laughs> but... well, we'll dance around it, I guess. But <laughs> I, I, wh- how do you know it took place in 2028? Like, did they say it explicitly, or uh, was it on like a like one of the videos that have like a timestamp or like the Wikipedia plot? So, okay. The first sentence says in 2028. (laughs) (laughs) So that would put it 20 years after the original Cloverfield. Yeah. So is this supposed to be like a 
Pacific Rim thing where like there's like one kaiju and then all of a sudden now there's like 20 years later a bunch like you know no, like, dude. again maybe it's a little spoilery but Cloverfield <laughs> and 10 Cloverfield Lane are universe one this movie is universe no, two it's... so now we're gonna get to see universe two get totally fucked up well we're de- dealing with time travel here so where right. does it, what where does the time travel come in like stuff that so stuff that's happening in 2028 could affect stuff in the past or oh right he says that in his little yeah. video okay <clears throat> and the next movie is going to be world war Two time so what really get ready yeah what monsters this... in war <laughs> oh my god i'm done with this fucking <laughs> this franchise like what the hell is happening <laughs> i don't need any more universes all right for the record Marvel Universe, fine. That's all you need. We can't. That's all that. you need. <laughs> but I, I don't need any others. Star Wars. All right, I'll keep Star Wars. <laughs> yeah, your boys, uh, David Weinhoff and fucking the Game of Thrones dudes. Who? They're the the Game of Thrones oh, oh, showrunners. Oh, right, right. Did you hear they're getting their own Star Wars? Yeah. Spin-off? Well, I don't know, but the new. I mean, we should talk about that trailer. I didn't see the trailer. I just oh, saw the teaser. From Solo? What, the Han Solo one? Yeah, it looks cool. Yeah, it looks all right. Also, I think it looks cool, but that guy doesn't look like, or he doesn't, he's not going to play Han Solo. Like, huh? <laughs> bad, <laughs> bad choice of words. Like, he doesn't feel like Han Solo. Oh. Just based on the, like, five seconds of him you see in the teaser trailer? Right. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah no, that's what I'm saying. I like Donald Glover a lot, so I'm stoked to see that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm curious, I guess, but um, well, we're off topic. Back yeah, to back to back to Cloverfield. So, um, I guess I don't really have a ton more to say. I mean, I guess the the performances they were mostly How about fine. The, uh, the horror elements of it. There's it again, like talking as far as tone, like the movie's so all over the place of the horror moments. One, I don't think are very effective, and two, like it was kind of neat, like when it. Um, I don't want. The dude, so that something happens to a guy's arm. Oh my god! That it was, was kind of so neat. Dumb. I don't know. It looked cool, like yeah, but, but it, it didn't make no any sense. sense. It didn't make any sense. Like thinking about it now, like I guess I never really thought about it while I was watching it happen because it just seemed kind of weird. And I said, like, "What the fuck?" But now that I think about it, like yeah, what the fuck? What happened? <laughs> like yeah, <laughs> no, no, they'll probably make another shitty movie to explain what happened there and do like the whole other perspective side. And I'll be bored out of my mind the whole time. Yeah, and like the there's like worms. What the fuck were the worms? Exactly. Like, All these inexplicable occurrences that no one ever revisits. Created a cool moment though later on. <laughs> Which one are you talking cool. about? Are you talking about when they like investigate the body? That moment, or what are you talking about? Oh, to say there's sort of an explosion of worms <laughs> yeah yeah the guy's body <laughs> yeah, they, yeah. <clears throat> so yeah there is that um and then the way chris o- chris o'dowd's character well again we're getting into spoilers but something so there's an encounter that chris o'dowd has that's horror-esque but is also pretty dumb because what the hell was that anyway like the whole movie doesn't make any fucking sense there, I feel like n- now I know there's a reason why no one wanted to release that movie and it kept getting delayed and kept yeah. getting delayed. 
Which characters are dumber, Matt, or more dumb? <laughs> Prometheus or Cloverfield Paradox? <laughs> Uh, with their actions, yeah, Prometheus. Oh no, <laughs> Prometheus is definitely a better movie. Shouldn't have brought you this. You could up. argue that. <laughs> you could argue that. Yeah, they're all dumb. I mean, life is the same way. It's just characters making stupid choices. If but... I cared more, I would be offended by this film because it's just—it's it, like it didn't even try. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then. There's also an element of uh, like a mole that's part of the plot. Like they tease this idea of someone's going to betray someone, but you don't know who it is. And then who it ends up being is like, oh, yeah, of course, that was the one who ended up being, you know, because it's kind of a twist. But it's also you can see it coming from a mile away. You know, there was no payoff there. Yeah. Um, so there was a little bit of mystery that I found slightly intriguing in the middle regarding, you know, that specific character um you know where they came from what's what everyone's role is in this story because everyone's getting kind of freaked out by these strange occurrences um so i found that mildly interesting but yeah overall it was not a good movie and i was looking for like when i saw that trailer did you guys both see the trailer live like during the super bowl or no not really i was kind of eating or not paying attention when it was going on i saw it (laughs) It was pretty neat. Like I was like, that's, yeah. that's fucking cool. Like, yeah. And I also, I don't think it's said, maybe I missed it, but I don't think it's said available soon or whatever or later. I found out like yeah. after the fact, people were like, it's going to be available tonight after the Super Bowl. And I was like, oh, that's, it's a, cool like, give, you got to give them props for the marketing. Like, yeah, people were excited. It just didn't pay off because the movie sucked. But I'd be curious to see the numbers. As far I as think how uh, saw it. Paramount's the big winner here. Selling this piece of shit for fifty million. Got it off their hands. Yeah, <laughs> yeah dude. <laughs> <laughs> There's no way this was going to be a box office hit. I mean, it would have brought in some money just because of the Cloverfield name, but I feel like without the name Cloverfield on it, it would have just got buried. Even with the Cloverfield, because did Life name. make much money? No, uh-uh. and that had a way bigger cast than this. So, yeah. plus the word of mouth would have killed this movie. Yeah, like opening weekend, it would have come out. Word would get out that it's a piece of shit, and then that'd be it. Yeah. So, major disappointment. First major disappointment of 2018, but that's all right. Uh, anything else you guys want to say about Cloverfield? No. Uh, are we doing spoilers, or? I don't think we need to. Leave that for the internet. Yeah. <laughs> At this point, uh, I feel like a lot of people probably have seen it in the past week. And if you haven't seen it yet, you know, honestly, you can skip it. Like, I I, I really, there's no reason to watch this. I just want to say the last shot made me very angry. That's the main thing. I I wanted to flip off my TV. (laughs) That's the main thing that it will say ties it into the Cloverfield universe. And it was stupid. And there's like a probably 10 second sequence in the middle that kind of does it too where there's a oh yeah yeah her boyfriend or husband, husband or whatever yeah uh, he's walking towards like a crumbled like building and then there's like a fiery like smoke in the back do you remember that part or no? not really uh, no yeah, you can see like a shadow of a monster like going through the city oh i totally missed that it's very subtle but uh, okay. <laughs> i had to rewind i was like wait <laughs> did i <laughs> uh yeah i must have missed that but that's okay all right, well, let's do some star ratings. It's uh, 
two out of five for me. Two stars. One star. <laughs> All right. Damn, is that the worst score you've ever given a movie on the show? No, I gave a half star to something oh, that was so bad. Kingsman 2. No, that wasn't a half no, star. I gave that like a two or two and a half. I don't know. That probably, uh, uh, not The Room. We watched some other bad movie. Suburban Commando. Suburban Commando? <laughs> I don't know. I might have to That's look a better movie than this. <laughs> Honestly, I mean, this movie... There's some special effects that you can look at, I guess, but I, I just couldn't enjoy a single yeah. moment. My if you watch rating, this movie out of the corner of your eye, it's, it's pretty good. If you wear <laughs> noise-canceling headphones and you fast-forward through <laughs> half the scenes, it's passable. All right, well, that's going to do it for the Cloverfield Paradox. Uh, not a ringing endorsement by any means. So if you have not seen it, I think you're okay to skip that one. Uh, okay, that's going to do it for featured reviews. Let's get into what else we've been watching. Uh, we will start with a movie that we had planned to have as a featured review. Uh, I'm talking about the new Clint Eastwood film, The 1517 to Paris. Uh, originally, we were going to have our friend Paris on the show to talk about Cloverfield and the 1517 to paris you know as her namesake she uh-huh. felt like we needed to <laughs> exactly. have her on the show uh but she bailed uh <laughs> on seeing the movie and then on doing the podcast so paris if you're listening just shaming her right Get now <laughs> 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 uh so we dodged a bullet because tom and i chose not to see the film because paris was not going to see it mm. travis though did see it i did would you like to tell us about the 1517 to paris train has left the station yeah <laughs> so i went and saw this at the cinnabar last night with chelsea and her dad and his girlfriend and the best part about the movie was we could order 22 ounce beers and drink them while watching it. <laughs> uh the movie itself is pretty bad uh the actors are all played by the people who actually were in the event is it everybody or is it specific characters it's the main three uh characters the main three guys are they are they three heroes or like yeah so basically the story is they all grew up together like you know elementary junior high all that um and then two of them get involved in the war one of them's like a marine and the other one i think is like a u.s ranger soldier whatever um and then they all meet up to go like on a backpacking trip in Europe. And then there's this trip that they take to Paris that involves a train. <laughs> and something happens on that train. Mm. But the whole movie is like their backstory and they try and like shoehorn this whole like destiny thing in the movie yeah. where it's like this guy's destiny and he can just like feel that he has like a purpose in life and it's coming and Oh barf. Yeah, it's <laughs> I feel yeah, like I feel like we're here. We're put here for a larger purpose. <laughs> it's in the trailer. Yeah. <laughs> but That's the movie's. I, knew I would never see this. Yeah, movie. <laughs> the movie's about ninety minutes long, and about eighty minutes of it felt pointless. Like it just, it felt like it was like not even really that scripted. It was just non-actors going on this backpacking trip and commenting on it. Like there's scenes of them going to get like gelato and it's just like what is the point of this or them like going to see like the coliseum and it's just like 
it's not interesting watching them go on this trip to Europe. And that's the majority of the movie. Or it's like their backstory of them growing up as kids. But none of that stuff's really that interesting. And they try and make the main character seem like he's like been obsessed with war since he was a kid. He has posters of Full Metal Jacket and the letters of two Iwo Jima on his wall. (laughs) (laughs) And he's like eight years old. There's no way... When so I don't even really know anything about the real life events. Like what what was this? Was it like a terrorist hijacking? A crazy person? It seemed like it. Yeah, just like there was one terrorist who got on a train going to Paris and he had like tons of guns, like three hundred rounds of ammunition and like a couple knives or something like that. And basically these kids prevented him from like killing everyone on the train. Spoilers for a 2015 real life event. <laughs> <laughs> um, how bad were the uh, the real people? Like acting wise, was it pretty bad? Or yeah, it felt like a like made for TV like after school special type movie for the most part. Oh, Jenna Fisher is one of their moms though. Oh, is she? Yeah. Okay. How old is she now? She's playing people's moms now. Well, it's a uh, she's probably like right? in her forties. Yeah, well, but then they show her like present day, and she looks the exact same as she did nice. twenty years ago in the movie. Nice. I just don't get Clint Eastwood and like all these like raw, raw like American like heroic stories that he's doing now. Like it's like every movie he does is this. Yeah. I mean, and this one felt like the biggest stretch by far, as far as like let's turn this into a movie. I guess the it was based off a book that these guys wrote after it happened, and like part of me feels bad for just bashing this movie because like it's about like someone doing something good. You're not bashing their heroism, right? You're bashing this fucking <laughs> terrible movie, <laughs> but it's kind of like a like a tribute to them, and it's kind of cool that they let him or let them act in their own movie or event you know about their own story wouldn't it have more impact though if he didn't do that instead now they star in the shitty clint eastwood movie like if anything like but the thing is is that i feel like like casual moviegoers will think this is a good movie just because it's based on like a true story and like it's it's a heroic story because after the movie chelsea's dad was like that was a good movie and i just sat quiet (laughs) like (laughs) yep (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so i don't know it, it's it's hard for me to sit here and say this this movie's a piece of shit but kind of <laughs> don't hold back traps don't hold back <laughs> let the dogs out <laughs> uh is the cleaning sweat officially a hack uh i mean i feel like in, at least like the last decade or so he's been <laughs> just shoehorned it in, or phoned it in <laughs> except well, i did hear good things about sully I'm so curious to check that. I out. heard pretty mixed things on Sully. American Sniper was pretty bad. Oh God, that movie was a giant turd. I hated that movie. Yeah. All right. Well, anything else you want to say about that one? Skip it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> want to drop a star rating on it? Just uh, two stars. All right. It's, uh, it's up there it's with Clover, or down there with Cloverfield. <laughs> yeah. Um, how much do you have to talk about, Travis? I've got like. Well, I got a couple things uh, to to talk about. Do you have a shitload that you need to burn through? Or I think I got the huge, probably about 15, 20. No, <laughs> like 10 or so. We could talk about Starry Eyes. Yeah, so uh, I 
have talked about Starry Eyes on the show before, I think. Um, it's a horror movie from 2015, I think. And I, I really liked it. Um, I consider it like one of the better like horror movies from the past few years. You said or best. Okay, well, let me finish. <laughs> you need so, to settle down. <laughs> uh, I uh, was hanging out with a girl, and she's really into horror movies. So I recommended we watch Starry Eyes, because I'd only seen it once, and I was curious. Uh, movie fucking blew my mind the second time. Uh, I, I love the the main actress's performance. I love to me it's a it, it tackles the themes the neon demon tackles, but in a better, more interesting way. The neon demon was just kind of stupid and over the top for me, um, but it deals with what you're willing to do to find success in Hollywood and has this weird like kind of cult tie in. I love the music. It's very much a slow burn, but it's one of those slow burns where. I was engaged through the whole movie. Like I was genuinely interested in like the audition she was going to. There's a couple creepy moments she has at these auditions. It's kind of set the stage. And then the climax of the movie is just Gnarly. fucking nuts. <laughs> so I, I think I exclaimed afterwards that I think it's one. Did I say it was like top five horror movies yeah. of the new millennium? It's like top 10. Okay. It's I really, <laughs> really like the movie even more on a second one. Like it's, yeah. I loved it. When so, when you said that, I was just like, okay, I gotta watch this because that's so I told him to watch ridiculous him praise. Okay. I guess Plus that's I how know, you get someone to watch a movie. You just say it's one of the best movies you've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> but I also was curious because I know I hated the Neon Demon. Travis really liked the Neon Demon, yeah. so I was curious to see you know him viewing those two movies side by side. So anyway, I like the Neon Demon more. But you son of a bitch. Mainly for like. The aesthetics of Neon Demon. Yeah, Starry Eyes looks good, but it's not, you know, that's not really the drive, you know? No, it, it's definitely more low budget. And I don't know, for me, it was a good movie and some of it was effective, but it just felt like it's already been done before and like a mashup of a few other movies I've seen recently. Like what? Like certain elements of it, I guess. Um, but I am drawing a blank. <laughs> great, great argument. <laughs> um, but yeah, just, I don't know, it just felt kind of middle of the road to me. I don't know, I think you you saying that just put it, gave it way too high expectations yeah, for Yeah, you're me. probably right, yeah. <laughs> um, the climax of that movie, though, it, that is fucking sweet, right? It's like tense it's and cool, hyper-violent. Like. But like, I don't know, it just seems like it gets a little out of hand a little too fast. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, she that was the reason she was there. That was her intention. Yeah. And I do struggle sometimes with certain like body horror elements, like it just like cringeworthy moments, like her ripping off her fingernails and like her pulling out her gross. own hair. Yeah. And just the the look of her, she just looks kind of like a rat. I mean, it added to the performance, but like but nobody wants to watch a rat. <laughs> <laughs> um, but is it like a, a weight like she kills someone with like a barbell or something that was like, pretty that gnarly was nuts yeah <laughs> well like a like a dumbbell yeah and it kept going too yeah. was... <laughs> it's a very tense very violent like final 10 minutes i, I love don't you feel like it was a little similar to the house of the devil as far as like the whole like satanic ritual type thing 
mean, kind of. Like, if you're gonna if you're gonna really zoom out and look at them on like a macro level, it's a slow burn following uh, a female protagonist story through about 110 minutes or whatever, and then the last 10 minutes, it's like a crazy bloody finale, you know? Yeah. But I I think they're the themes are are different. They're they're movies that are influenced by different things like house of the devil was kind of more of like a 70s like kind of throwback uh atmospheric horror film yeah where star guys is more you know modern day oh like. and the end was kind of just like what the fuck <laughs> i that was cool though you didn't like that like her coming out <laughs> should i say it <laughs> there's a transformation that happens yeah, at the end okay well, that's, that's can't a bit ridiculous. <laughs> that's the point, though. That's basically trying to say, like, you, you sell your soul for for fame and fortune and beauty, like, literally. And then yeah, you, get, I don't you know. get what you wanted, but you're, like, not who you used to be anymore. Yeah. I guess if we're grading it on, like, a best horror movie of the millennium, like, no. But I feel you on that. If yeah. it's, like, if we're just talking, like, a low-budget horror movie that you just kind of discover on your own, then... Yeah, it's definitely worth watching. That's what it was the first time I saw it. That's exactly what it was. Like, I hadn't really heard that much about it. I saw it, really enjoyed it. This girl liked horror movies. So I was like, you know what? She hasn't seen it. I've only seen it once. I'm not saying, like, you got to see it a second time because I'm the right. second time. But you, <laughs> right. know what I'm, you know what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like, I would compare this to something like Spring, another movie that you oh, liked a lot. Oh, yeah. That I just thought was a decent, low-budget horror movie that... I kind of just found that can't just kind of came out of nowhere. Spring, all, all, though, is very original. I would say, like, yeah. it's playing in so many genres, and it, it's a very unique movie. It's a little slow, though. Like, like I'm not saying that movie's for everyone, but I think it's one. Spring is one of the most original horror movies. Well, and I it's think. it's a little low budget. Like, oh, it's very low budget, <laughs> and especially what it was trying to do. Like, if it had more of a budget, it could have been even better. I think. Yeah. So anyway, I'm glad you watched it. And anyone who hasn't seen it, it's still on Netflix. So Tom, you have, had you even heard of Starry Eyes? I've mentioned it on the show before, haven't I? Maybe I don't know. <laughs> That's but worth I had, checking. I hadn't out. heard of it or okay. remembered it or, or whatever. Um, I, I remember you bringing up Spring. Yeah, Spring is also really good. I would definitely be down to watch that again soon. Um, so anyway, you want to crank out another one and then I'll do one or two. Um, sure. I. Uh... Saw three Alfred Hitchcock movies at the Arc Lodge Cinemas mm-hmm. in Columbia City. Saw Psycho, North by Northwest, and To Catch a Thief. I'm just going to do these all together. Yeah, yeah. So I've seen Psycho before. It was awesome seeing it on the big screen. Um, it's cool how like low budget that movie is, considering it was like one of his last movies that he made. And it's like black and white, even though it didn't have to be. Like It just seems like... He really wanted to get this movie made and he just did whatever it, it took to get it made. And like it's really effective for like how low budget it is and how simple it is too. Like it's such a simple and small story, but like it holds its runtime and is it Anthony Perkins? Is that his name? Yeah. He's awesome. Like he plays a perfect psychopath. <laughs> um the opening credits are awesome. The score is awesome. There's so many iconic moments that if you've seen the movie, I'm sure you know what I'm talking about. Everybody talks about 
the shower scene in that movie but honestly the image that sticks with me the most from psycho is at the end when like the twist is revealed and you find out that he's actually whoa, whoa, whoa. have you not seen psycho i haven't seen a single you, alfred hitchcock movie do you not know the twist, know the twist in psycho oh shit oh wow <laughs> okay well i won't say more about there's a part where at the end a character like basically charges the camera and it's really jarring like the cut and then the person just like running at the camera was like disturbing to me like that's the image yeah. that sticks with me the most mm. um there's also see psycho i'm surprised that actually hasn't been ruined for you i know <laughs> like, i, I want to see like I, I knew i wanted to see a hitchcock film i was thinking about the birds but it looks kind of shitty <laughs> i like the birds a lot it is kind of kind of corny it's pretty campy yeah it doesn't I feel like it doesn't hold up that well. Like, if you saw it back in the day, it was probably pretty terrifying. But I saw it in college, and I, I enjoyed it quite a bit, but... I would say start with something else, though, Tom. Yeah, I, my favorite is Vertigo, personally, but... Uh, uh, rear Window is amazing, too. Yeah, mm-hmm. Rear Window's awesome. So, anyway, that was Psycho. You saw two others. Yep. Uh, North by Northwest is awesome. It's... Just like a classic action movie. I mean, it doesn't feel like an action movie like Die Hard, but there's these huge set pieces in it that make it awesome. And I guess this was the action movie of the 50s or 60s. It feels kind of like a James Bond movie. Um, basically, it's like a, a man on the run. He gets wrongfully accused as, or he's like mistaken as like someone else who's like wanted. And so he has to, he's on the run and no one believes that he's like not this guy. Um, but like there's these there's these three main set pieces that just kind of make the movie and everything else in between is good too um but there's like this drunk driving sequence that's awesome there's the um what's it called the there's that plane and (laughs) 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 uh, yeah uh, the fly bird thingy (laughs) that goes up in the air the crop duster (laughs) there we go (laughs) You've seen at least like the shot of him running away from the plane, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like the plane's behind him and right. he's like riding the thing. And... That part is super intense and awesome. And then there's a the final like finale sequence is on Mount Rushmore, which was ripped off by uh, Richie Rich. <laughs> what? You guys ever seen that? Richie Rich? Yeah, with Macaulay Culkin. No. You never seen that? No. Oh, their, <laughs> their parents are so rich that they have like their own Mount Rushmore. And, like, the final sequence is them, like, trying to escape the bad guys on their own Mount Rushmore. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, this, that sequence is awesome. Um, it's really all I have to say about uh, North by Northwest. And then To Catch a Thief was kind of boring. Um, it was mainly just, like, a romance movie between Cary Grant and Grace Kelly. Um, but, yeah, it's just kind of slow. It's basically about this thief who has given up his life of crime, but then there's another thief who's basically copying him, and then to clear his name, he has to catch the thief. Um, Yeah, don't really have much to say about that one, though, other than it was kind of (laughs) disappointing. Sweet. Um, I watched a couple things. Uh, I I watched uh, a stupid, a, a futile and stupid gesture. Or is it the, is it a stupid infusion? Oh, you tell me. Is it on Netflix? Yes, it's a Netflix original. Uh, it's about uh, I can't remember the guy's name, Don something, but he was basically one of the he was like the creator of the National Lampoon. 
So the Lampoon is like Harvard's like satirical magazine or newspaper or whatever. So he was there with his buddy and they turned it into the National Lampoon. And then that's how we got Animal House. It was also a magazine for many years. Like the whole point of the movie is that they he and his buddy like changed comedy like the modern landscape of comedy. Mm-hmm. So uh, Will Forte plays the main character. Uh, our boy Domhnall Gleeson plays his like his partner in crime. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it's it's a very interesting, ultimately not very good movie. Like the the movie has a narrator, and the narrator is the main character, but like you think it's the real life version of the character and this, this is based on it's it's based on a true story so it's not really a spoiler but it was for me i don't know if i should say it or not but it's deceitful so the fact that there is a narrator who is supposed to be the real person that is deceitful you find out at the end um it was entertaining through a lot of it but ultimately like it's not as funny as it should have been the performances are cool. Like they have people playing like Chevy Chase and John Belushi and stuff. Like yeah. uh, um, Joel McHale plays Chevy Chase, and he does a pretty good job. Um, so it was it was interesting. David Wayne directed it, who did um, uh, Wet Hot American Summer. Uh, they came together. Um, he's he's done a bunch of movies. He, he was one of the main that <clears throat> comedy troupe Stella. It was David Wayne, Michael Ian Black, and someone else um it was it was okay it's it's worth a watch i would say but i didn't love it it made me laugh a couple times but i don't know it's it's inconsistent for sure it doesn't is, look very good either this is the one where like joel McHale's playing chevy chase right? yes it, okay. is, yeah. it was fine I, and then isn't there a documentary about this as well on netflix i i believe there is you had mentioned that to me yeah um but yeah i mean it's essentially a story about how that figure came to prominence and you know how he changed the landscape of comedy. So it was okay. I don't know. It's, it's worth a watch. If you have nothing else to watch, it's on Netflix, but really nothing to write home about. I was kind of disappointed because I, I generally like David Wayne stuff. Um, it was an interesting subject, but ultimately didn't really, uh, didn't really land. Um, saw you watch some sort of a sex doc. Yeah, so I guess I'll talk about that now. Dying uh, to hear. <laughs> uh, so after the Cloverfield paradox, I watched that yesterday. I wanted to watch something else. So there is this documentary called uh, "Liberated: The New Sexual Revolution." Uh, should have been called "Toxic Masculinity: The Documentary." <laughs> um, it was. <laughs> It was kind of interesting. Like, basically, it's this documentary crew that follows, like, spring breakers in Panama City. So it's about, like, hookup culture and how it's the current sexual revolution is different from the 60s sexual revolution. Because in the 60s, it was about free love, but it was still about love, you know? It was about making love and having lots of partners and sharing things. And this movie takes the stance that now it's more about just, like, a casual approach to sex where where you're separating sex from romance. So it's all about like the chase. So the reason why I say it should be called toxic masculinity of the movie is because they spend like the first portion of it from 
like a, a men's perspective. So they follow these dudes and they're just all about pussy. Yeah. And they're like, it's all about the number. <laughs> like there are dudes who are like, oh yeah, I'll fuck like four or five girls a night while I'm here. Like Jesus. a night. And they literally, there's one guy in particular. It's like him and his friends. They're from like Europe or something. And the documentary crew is just like, they're just talking about like how many women they get and how easy it is. And they literally, he, the guy's like, watch. And then like he oh, calls no. a girl over they start talking like i don't know how much time passes but shortly thereafter they go into the hotel room and lock the door and turn out the lights and his buddies are just like talking about stuff and then they come out after they slammed and then he talks about it he was like yeah she's got a bang and bod but and he tries oh, to remember no. her name and he's like was it jenny amy and then they show like the actual clip of them meeting and she's like my name is anna he's like what anna oh nice to meet you anna couldn't even remember like it's fucking gross but it was (laughs) and then like the second half of the movie gets more into how that's incredibly problematic and it it talks about like from the, the female perspective and there's just lots of really gross stuff that happens and it was interesting like it was it was worth a watch. It wasn't anything that I'm not familiar so with. So this is like the real life version of Harmony Corinne Spring Breakers? Yeah. But Spring Breakers like glorifies it. Yeah, some crazy shit happens, but it also glorifies it. This yeah. movie does not. It was interesting. It was it was no good. No rose colored lenses on those cameras. No. <laughs> was it kind of like the real Cancun? You ever seen that? No. Wasn't that like an MTV movie? I think something it was. like that, yeah. yeah. <laughs> No, I never saw that. No. But it's it was... like a reality TV show, just like feature le- feature length. Yeah, uh, yeah, I enjoyed it. I think I watched it on Netflix. So yeah, fuck bitches get money. Uh, there was a dude who was wearing a shirt. <laughs> it was a tank top, and it said, oh, "All I do is fuck and sleep," or something like that. Like like neon colors. Like all I do is fuck. Like. Oh my god. And there's this super douchey white dude with dreads who is like, it's so easy, guys. Watch, just follow me. Yeah, kind of. He looks kind of like Post Malone. They follow him and he will just like walk up to two girls and be like, can I get, can I get a kiss on the cheek? And then they'll kiss him on the cheek and then he'll like grab their ass and it's just. Fucking gross. Was, they just uh, him down the beach as he's doing this shit. Any of the EDM scene showcased in this movie? No. No. I mean, there are, there's like a dance a parties. Club, but yeah, there's some dance parties, but they don't, I don't think they can use the real music. Was so. Gronkowski in this? <laughs> <laughs> he, wouldn't, he wouldn't have stuck out. Um, yeah, it was, it was worth the watch. I, you know, kind of depressing, but yeah, I enjoyed it. So anyway, not for me. <laughs> Did, I mean, didn't really surprise you though, right? No, not at all. I mean, these are all concepts that I'm like, familiar like with. they're also picking like the worst well, yeah. fucking place, the spring break, and then what Panama City? Mm-hmm. Like, come on, cream of the crop. Yeah. <laughs> like, if you're looking for a place full of douchebags, you found yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> so that was that. Um, what about you, Tom? You been watching much? Uh, the only other movie I watched was The Square. Oh. Same director as Force Majeure. I forget his name. Ostland or something. Ostland. Robert Ostland or something. Robert Ostland. Oh, I think Ostland's his last name. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, it has oh. a similar feel for sure. Like uh, just the tone, uh, the way that music plays into it. There's a recurring, uh, recurring little, I don't know, sound. But <laughs> There is in uh, Force Majeure as well. I, yeah. I watched that. Oh. oh okay good good yeah um good timing anyway <laughs> uh it was a good movie uh i liked a lot about it 
thought it was a little bit on the long side. Um, and I didn't get all of it. It's, it's definitely a commentary on the art world. Um, and it has the same kind of feel as force majeure in the sense that it's like characters who think that they have their life in order and that they, you know, kind of holier than thou, but that, you know, they just, they have their shit together and then something happens that throws a little bit of, you know, change into the mix, kind of forces them to reevaluate some perspectives and that drives the rest of the film and the rest of the behavior and, and things just sort of fall apart from there. Um, lots of like conversations about life and, you know, things that if it just something happens that is kind of out of the blue, something you never expected and you talk to somebody, a lot of those sort of realistic conversations, um, I didn't like this as much as Force Majeure, but it is so worth watching for the scene. You guys know the what dude, I'm talking about. Like the, oh, and the dying, like the... Where he plays like an ape. Yeah. Um, and I, I looked this guy up afterward, Terry Notary. He is <laughs> What a, a name. <laughs> I know. Sarah was like, Terry Notary. <laughs> he, uh, he's a movement coach and does like stunts and stuff oh. so he does like war for the planet of the apes like the new planet of the apes reboots he you know does motion capture for those he movies like that or is that like legitimately in the movie? no he did he did planet of the apes so oh he's literally I see. the monkeys yes in planet of the apes. yes sorry i thought you i don't know like his character i was like Whoa, no this no, no, is no. like no I, i'm just saying the guy <laughs> i'm just saying the guy uh he did i think he did some stuff for lord of the rings um anyway he is captivating in this scene like it is so weird and it's weird too to see somebody like play an animal because it's like is this insulting like i literally have the thought where i'm like this feels racist but they're not humans (laughs) so i don't know what i'm feeling right now but i'm a little uncomfortable with it uh but that whole scene is uncomfortable and how long does it last probably 10 minutes oh god yeah yeah it's intense uh and i i had to look it up afterward because they don't really spell it out for you um things happen in that scene that they don't address explicitly for the rest of the movie and so we were like was that a performance and uh kind of made the came to the conclusion that it was a performance because afterward we looked it up and the real scene when they actually filmed this there were only a handful of actors in the crowd and the rest of them were all just vips from stockholm oh wow yeah so uh worth it for that scene alone but uh, i i liked it overall i just i don't think it quite hit the think way you gotta that see Force it again did. what's that you think you gotta see it again at no, some point? no i don't it's not one of those no it's more like some of the absurdity of modern art is what they're making fun of <clears throat> so a lot of this movie isn't really easy to grasp and i don't think it would be on the second time any more than seeing some bullshit modern art piece would be better on the second time it's like either you're gonna kind of get it or you're not yeah. gonna get it yeah that's fair you take away what you're gonna take away so not your culture 
Uh, my culture. But, <laughs> I mean, it's fun to have them make fun of... Like, the main character is yeah. the curator for a modern art museum, and it's kind of fun to have them talk a little bit of shit. Not that I don't think there's any value in modern art. I think there's a lot of cool stuff out there, but... Um, in the end, we're all animals, which is kind of what that, I think that's what that scene is getting at. I, I actually think I read that um, afterward, but yeah, you guys should check it out, especially now that you've seen Force Majeure. Uh, before we move on to Force Majeure, how is Elizabeth Moss in the movie? She's good. She's a crazy character. Um, yeah, she's really good. Uh, I think she's a great actress and so intense. Uh, but also, I've been watching a lot of The Handmaid's Tale right now, actually, trying to finish that. Um, Good stuff. She is able to convey a lot of just uncomfortable feelings just with her face. And her eyes, too. And her eyes. And sometimes it's kind of annoying, but all, but it's really affecting. <laughs> and she does a lot of this in this movie where you can tell she's like about to say something and doesn't. And you're just like, say it! <laughs> But, uh, yeah, she, she's good in it. She's not, um, yeah, she's a medium-sized role, but. Okay. Well, Force Majeure, tell us all about Travis. Uh, I thought it was okay. <laughs> oh, really? It's a little too, yeah. too highbrow for yeah. Travis. Too high definitely brow. too highbrow for me. Well, you're not going to like uh, the square. <laughs> yeah, probably not. Um, I thought the location of it was awesome. Oh, those shots are gorgeous. Especially the family skiing down like the mountain early on in the movie. Yeah. It's probably my favorite part, especially with like the music going and stuff. But I don't know. I, I love the look of it and, you know, the location of it. But like, I didn't find it that funny. And I think maybe because it was a little too highbrow or just because it was like subtitled or foreign. So I maybe lost something there. But like, I don't know, like the event to me just seems so inconsequential. And that's like the entire movie is that event just like dragged out like the the wife dealing with the husband and what he decided to do during that event i would argue played out yeah sure rather than dragged (laughs) okay (laughs) yeah i found the whole thing fascinating like i mean do we want to talk about like the premise for the movie because we didn't last time because we didn't want to spoil it for travis but i mean this movie has been out for a couple years now and honestly i don't think it really gives anything away if anything you just know Essentially, the point of the movie is that there's a family who's at like a ski lodge and there's an avalanche that happens and it's coming right at them. And there's this moment of panic where it looks like it's going to fucking destroy the lodge. So the father makes a snap decision to run and he leaves his family. Turns out the avalanche didn't reach the lodge, so they ended up not being in any danger. But the whole point of the movie is that it plays out that decision. So... His guilt, his wife's like anger and resentment that he just abandoned his family to save himself, you know, yeah. it's a really interesting premise. See, I, yeah, I think it's an interesting idea, but I think the way the movie handles it, it just wasn't that interesting. It's nuanced, you know, like there aren't yeah. any like crazy blow ups. There's still yeah. a husband and wife, but it's still like, can you imagine being in her position and being like, uh-huh. He's just gone. Like, the kids, me, like, he just left. Like, it's one of those moments where it's, like, fight or flight, and he chose flight, Mm -hmm. you know? And they... It also brings up the idea, like, something like that happens so quickly that you may not even, like, think about your children in that split second, because you're just like, oh, shit. And that's true, but 
from her perspective, you should always think to. about your family. Your instinct <laughs> yeah. should be right. not, oh, I need to save myself. It's I need to get my family out of here. Right. And he does not do that. And they have like they fully have those conversations in the film. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, about him being like selfish in that moment. But like to me, like I would de- defend him to a degree because like when you're in that kind of situation, you don't have really time to think. Yeah. So well, I-, I could see it either way. Like, sure, he should have reached but they have for his that kids. Conversation too, the fight or flight conversation, yeah. like with the friends. That's the whole thing. I think that's what's so interesting about it. You know? Yeah, because like they, they, nobody was harmed during this experience. So all they have from her perspective, it's like we were fine, but like you didn't know that, and I watched you leave me and the kids. Like mm-hmm. she didn't run, you know. Like there's that it's it's more about like the conflict that arises yeah. from that decision rather than like the morality of that decision itself. Obviously that plays a part in the film, but it's less about that. It's more about the friction it creates between the husband and wife, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I see both sides of it and I just don't feel like the movie was that interesting. Like it didn't take it far enough for you? Like you wanted there to be like a climax of some sort or like what was missing for you? I don't know. I just feel like the the event was inconsequential enough that it shouldn't have caused all of this like turmoil within the family. It's not inconsequential. Can you imagine being in that position though? Like it, that could ruin their marriage. You know, like it's still kind of up in the air by the end of it. What could ruin their marriage? That decision. But it's like you may you yeah. can look at it either way though. I know, but that's the thing. She looks at it from one way, and he looks at it from another, and they yeah, can't, she's overreacting. They can't <laughs> <laughs> so that's what it boils down to. Have to sympathize with the father, of course. I just don't see why he's, she's so upset with him. I would have done the same thing as he's on his phone. Like, yeah. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Uh, oh, I'm partly kidding, but seriously. No, I know. I mean, I know come on. No. <laughs> I don't know. I, I thought the movie was really funny too. Like I was, yeah. I was in it. Like there's. See, a scene I, I didn't get any of that. I don't remember if I actually brought this up or if I decided not to ruin it. But the scene when they're at the like the music, the live music show after a day of skiing, the two boys have had their day together and they're drinking. And that woman comes over and oh, she's yeah. like, oh, my friend's really attracted to you. She thinks you're really cute. And he's like got this whole ego boost. And he's just sitting there so pleased with himself for a couple minutes. And she comes back. And she's like, I'm sorry. I was wrong. It wasn't you. She was pointing yeah. at somebody yeah, else. That was so funny. <laughs> so, so funny. And like you can see that happening in real life and just like kind of the absurdity of it. But also just the way that you can get into this character's head. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, it's a it's a tighter narrative for sure that movie than the square is, and I, I think the the relationship is like the focal point. Really helps it to have a a stronger. I mean, it didn't work for you, but but I I love that movie. I still liked it. I just didn't love it. Yeah, sure, that's that's fair. And I did like that moment that you brought up, <laughs> but to me, like maybe it's because I watched it by myself, but I didn't like laugh out loud or anything. Um. But like I can see the humor in it. Yeah. But that's kind of like how I view the lobster. Like I, I didn't think that movie is that funny. Like there's a few funny moments, but I was never like laughing out loud watching the lobster. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, I'll uh, I'll talk about a rewatch real quick. <laughs> so I watched this movie with 
my friend Annika, who I think you both are are familiar with, she had never seen a Wes Anderson movie before. What? What is she like stubborn or something? <laughs> She's just really not a movie person. So I exposed her to the Royal Tenenbaums, uh-huh. which is my favorite Wes Anderson movie. We can get into. I'll ask you guys that question when I finish. But we watched uh, the Royal Tenenbaums, and still an incredible movie. I love the way it looks. I mean, Wes Anderson is known for his symmetry. So every frame is just picture perfect. You know, you have the character right in the middle. You'll have like lights, perfect symmetry. Like everything is just so carefully constructed. I love the way it looks. But it's also really funny and it's really sad. Like my favorite line in the whole movie is after... It's like, it's my favorite moment in the film, followed by my favorite <laughs> moment of comedy. So, if you haven't seen The Royal Tenenbaums... I'm thinking of a funny moment in that movie. There's so <laughs> many good moments in it. <laughs> well, we'll come back to that in a second, because I want to know what you're thinking of. But uh, So, Richie, who's Luke Wilson's character... Uh, the movie's been out for forever, so I maybe... Okay, I'll just say it. So just he it. he he attempts suicide, and there's an Elliot Smith song playing in the background, and he's in this bathroom with blue light, and it's so sad, and like he goes to the hospital, but right after that, everyone's visiting him in the hospital, and Ben Stiller's like grilling him. He was like, "Why'd you do it?" And he's like, "I don't know." He's like, "What?" Would and then Luke Wilson mentions that he wrote a letter, and he was like, "Can I read it?" And he says, "No, you can't read it." <laughs> and then Ben Stiller goes, "Is it dark?" <laughs> and then Luke Wilson goes, Of course it was dark. It was a suicide letter. <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny. Fucking, that's my favorite line in the whole movie. Uh, she ultimately, uh, I think she didn't really know what she was getting into. And I think yeah. he's, his movies are weird. Like, if no, you have no experience quirky. with them. So I think she did like it, but maybe didn't go hit, like, hit it home as well as I thought it would. But. Travis, what okay, was the... So it's pure visual humor. But the whole movie, Ben Stiller and his... Is it his kid or his brother Uzi, or Uzi and uh, Uzi and Ollie or something like that? They wear red Adidas tracksuits the whole movie. And then during the funeral, funeral they're wearing black ones. <laughs> <laughs> so amazing. <laughs> oh, God. That movie is perfect. <laughs> and they like... The... Owen Wilson rides in at the end with his car and he like kills the dog with his car. And then within minutes, like Royal has like replaced it with a Dalmatian that he bought from the firefighters. And everyone's just like, like someone tries to like the kids are hanging out by the car and they're like, Buckley is still under there. And then the mom, uh, she's like, there's nothing can be done for him now or something. They're kids and their dog is just trapped under this car. And she's like, don't worry, nothing can be done. God, it's so funny. I need to rewatch that because I saw it in college, but is it the yeah. only? Is I need to rewatch it too. Watch? I've only yeah. seen it once. It, didn't I, stick with uh, it was probably like the fifth time I've seen the it. black track jackets, though. <laughs> and then there's this moment, like the music in that movie is incredible, and you can say the same about all of Wes Anderson's movies. But there's a moment where Gwyneth Paltrow's character Margot is coming off of a bus to meet Luke Wilson's character. And it's playing this, like, I don't know the name of the song, but it goes into slow motion and she steps off the bus and everything is symmetrical and it's the two of them walking towards each other. Mm. And it's so beautiful. I I fucking love that movie. It's always been one of my favorites, but they just reaffirmed that for me. Yeah, I've missed a few of his movies and I've seen the rest of them 
like once each. So I could probably use a rewatch on a lot of them. But my favorite probably has to be Rushmore or Moonrise Kingdom. So I've actually, I'm back on, on the dating scene right now. And there's a lot of people on dating profiles who list Wes Anderson as like one of their favorite directors. So I always find it interesting to ask people what their favorite yeah. Wes Anderson movie is. And I usually like, there's this one girl who I, I uh, had like a clarifying bit in my post. And I was like, what I say? Not to be, not to be a tryhard hipster douchebag, but what is your favorite Wes Anderson movie? <laughs> you know? Um, and then she said Royal Tenenbaums, but I know a lot of people who love Rushmore. Um, Moonrise Kingdom is another one. Bottle Rocket is some people's favorites, even the Life Aquatic. And I mentioned to that girl I was talking to that I low key judge people who pick the Life Aquatic as their favorite because that's by <laughs> far my least favorite, you know? Yeah. But it seems like everyone has a different favorite, you know? It's an yeah, interesting that's question true. to ask. Yeah, most directors they have like one or two that people regard yeah, as the like best. Pulp Fiction, or you know, it's like No Country for Old Men. Yeah, or Fargo. Fargo. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, I forgot that Saoirse Ronan is in uh, the Budapest Grand Budapest Hotel. I've still only seen that movie once, and I loved it the first time I saw mm-hmm. it. I, I'd be, I remember it being really funny. Oh, it's great. Yeah, the, I need to the see the relationship. <laughs> The love relationship between the two kids, so yeah. funny. Yeah, and the the dynamic between uh, Ray Fiennes and uh, and the little Indian boy or yeah. whatever, like yeah. it's hilarious. <laughs> uh, and Willem Dafoe with his like sharpened teeth, and he's this weird like villain <laughs> oh, yeah. character. Like, <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah, that movie is great. I think uh, Moonrise Kingdom is up there for me, but Fantastic Mr. Fox might be my favorite. See, it's a good one. Yeah. Exactly what I'm talking it's, about. It's the most childish, but it's so good. All it's the characters really are funny. That weird rat thing that's always he's got this weird thing he always says, and then he snaps his finger. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's just like. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then uh, Darjeeling Limited for me is the most underrated Wes Anderson movie. Like for most people, it's like towards the bottom, but mm. I, I think that's a wonderful movie. I love it. Mm. Anyway. We can move on from Wes Anderson. I just want to talk about that rewatch. Um, Drivers, you want to crank some stuff out? I've got like one or two. I only have a couple. Uh, I saw Paddington 2, and it's amazing. It just builds on the first one in every aspect. (laughs) Um, Yeah, you guys need to be watching these movies. I I don't know what you guys are doing. We should have a full review on Paddington 2. I thought about watching Paddington last night, but I watched uh, Toxic Masculinity, the movie, instead. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, it's just, it's so enjoyable. Like, it's genuinely funny. Like, he plays the, like, fish out of water characters so well. And um, Is the fish out of water because it's in the bear's mouth? No. <laughs> <laughs> but so. it's, it's almost like... It's almost like Mr. Bean type humor. Like he's just so Dude, I hate Mr. Bean. Dumb Don't say like, that. Mr. Bean's great. No, Mr. No, Bean is not. awesome. Mr. Bean, get out of here. Come on. It's like My a dad childhood used to watch favorite. that. And I was like, what is this, dad? You're fucking a weirdo. Like, it's hilarious. Makes Mr. me want M&Ms. It's not, definitely not as weird as Mr. Bean, but it's just like, he does just, he's so like naive and like innocent, but like. But he's a bear too. Well, yeah. Which is so special. <laughs> does uh, he eat honey? Marmalade. He's obsessed with oh, marmalade. Of course, because he's British or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> is he always wearing that raincoat? Is that like his aesthetic? Uh, for the most part, yeah. yeah. I uh, dig that. In Paddington 2, he only wears black. No. <laughs> 
the main plot of this one is uh so hugh grant plays the villain in this movie it's in the trailer so i'm not spoiling oh yeah i knew that and he's like a magician and he has all these like disguises and he steals he basically steals this like secret map that has like a secret treasure or whatever and then paddington sees him stealing it one night and then he disappears but then then everyone blames paddington and paddington's like the the town favorite and then he turns into like this wrongfully accused villain goes to prison so it's the dark knight (laughs) sure (laughs) (laughs) but he goes to prison and he has to like win over all the inmates and turns into like a prison escape movie at one point so it's It's, like the dark night out of the tunnel the giant hole in the sky <laughs> swings. See, I was going to go with Brawl and Cell Block 99. Uh, <laughs> but the show just didn't make the jump. Uh, anyways. What was the reveal, though, in Paddington 2? The reveal? In Paddington 2. Oh, no, there's not much of a reveal. He just wins back the crowd one by one until it's over. Well, I don't want to spoil the movie completely. But anyways, it's a fun adventure. It's super entertaining. Um, fun for all ages. I can't recommend Paddington enough. Mm. It's very enjoyable. All right. Well, I did used to have a Paddington teddy bear. So. <laughs> You're halfway there, Tom. Yeah, probably still have it somewhere. I'll dig it out. It's probably worth money. <laughs> 1994. <laughs> Toys R Us Paddington. <laughs> uh, you got anything else, Tom? No, I'm just watching TV. Yeah. Anything you want to mention? I think I already mentioned Veep, which is hilarious. Mm-hmm. Uh, I already mentioned Handmaid's Tale, which is pretty good. I really, I really like it. Um, I'm behind the times on that one. Uh, I don't. I think we finished some other show, but I can't remember it. So, oh well. I did tell you that I was gonna give up on Oz, but I actually stayed with it, and I finished season one. Wow. It's good stuff. Only yeah. what, like five more to go? I think yeah, it's like five or six seasons. Mm. Um, I'll talk about it real quick. So it's very like '90s, early 2000s feeling, like the way it's shot, just yeah, the way it looks and everything. It's in four by three aspect ratio, and it's kind of a brutal thing to watch. Like I wouldn't recommend watching it before bed or anything. There's lots of prison rape, right? <laughs> There's not as much as like you would think or maybe not as much as people say but i mean there's definitely some in it um maybe there's more in the later seasons <laughs> the first season or first, yeah first season's only like eight episodes long um this is i think where jk simmons got his like claim to fame he plays like a neo-nazi in this mm. um but yeah it's it's pretty brutal uh it kind of does what orange is it Orange is the New Black does, where it shows, like, the backstory, but it doesn't spend a whole episode on it. It's usually just, like, a scene showing them how they got into it. But usually in every episode, you'll get a flashback. Someone will die in the prison, and then someone new will come into the prison. Um, And it's just, like, yeah, there's a ton of crazy characters. um, And it's very, like, philosophical, and it, like, deals with, like, big themes, like, you know, like, Greek mythology and stuff um there's like this wheelchair character who narrates the the whole show um but yeah it's good all right well while we're on the tv track uh, i'll mention that just this morning actually i finished big mouth 
Oh. Oh, yeah. The it's animated show, right? Really fucking funny. Really? I think I watched the first and maybe the second episode. And it was good from what I saw. I did the exact same thing. So I watched the first couple episodes. <laughs> I liked it, but I kind of fell off it and then didn't come back. So I just like restarted the, the show a couple days ago. It's hilarious. It's really raunchy and really mm. dirty. I mean, it's basically about like puberty. So all the characters are in like middle and high school and it's basically like there's a literal h- hormone monster who's hilarious. He's voiced by Nick Kroll. <laughs> Most of the characters are voiced by Nick Kroll, but it's just, God, it's so funny. Uh, and it's a quick watch too. The episodes are short. There's only 10 of them. Um, it's got John Mulaney in it, Jordan Peele, uh, Jenny Slate, uh, Maya Rudolph. Hmm. Uh, the cast is, one is amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it came out last year. I think yeah. last summer, I think. Yeah. It's really funny. I thought it was hilarious. Mm. Oh, I remember what we were watching. Um, End of the fucking world. Yeah, uh, that show was... Have I talked about it yet? I think so. That show was great. Yeah, we still have two episodes left. Oh, but dude. it's great. Are you going to finish it tonight? Isn't this like a Sunday... Is this your Sunday night show? <laughs> it's or? not. This is just a me and Sarah show. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, I don't know if we're doing Sunday night show tonight, so we'll see. But... Uh, well, you guys should finish it tonight then, if you, if you can. I know. Yeah, it's great. It's, I'm not going to give anything away, but the way the show ends is very unexpected for a television show. Because, mm. well, I won't say anymore, but it caught me off guard. I was All right. very surprised by the way the movie, well, by the, like, the, the way the show ended caught me off guard. I'm going to be on the lookout now. It's, that's a great <laughs> show though, right? Yeah, it's great. Yeah. You, sh- uh, you should watch it. Chelsea would probably like it too. So oh yeah, uh, yeah. I've been meaning to watch it. Mm-hmm. Just there's it goes really quick. Too, too much. Stuff. It's only eight episodes. Yeah, but this is. I mean, this is eight episodes. They're only like twenty They're to twenty five minute episodes. Someone said that it's got like a true romance vibe to it. Yeah, yeah, totally. It's I'm you know, it's like a crime aspect to star crossed lovers fleeing from you know the police. Like yeah, totally. Like Badlands. Uh, <laughs> I wouldn't make that comparison, but. I mean, True Orance is loosely based on Badlands, so... Yeah, but, I mean, you're then, like, three degrees removed from... <laughs> uh, it's, it's good. It's really good. I would recommend anyone watch that show. Um, I also watched a movie uh, called Miss Stevens. I think I briefly talked to Travis about it. Have you heard of this movie at all, Tom? Mm-mm. I was just uh, browsing on Netflix and there was a category that was like critically acclaimed emotional dramas. I told that to Travis and then he responded. He was like, oh, they should call that category just for you. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I really enjoyed it. So it's a really low budget film from two years ago and it has a T-Shout in it. Timothy Chalamet. No way. Hell yeah, dude. So, is he doing a top of the accent? watch list? <laughs> no, he's not. Uh, well, <clears throat> hang on. Thank God. I'm going to pull this up on IMDb. <laughs> uh, so I knew nothing about this movie. I, I literally saw it was in that category and I saw T. Shall was in it. So I was just like, fuck it. I'm going to watch it. Uh, it says it's a comedy focus on a teacher who chaperones a group of high schoolers to a state drama competition. So the teacher is like in her late twenties and she's like mentoring. She used to be like a stage actor when she was younger. So, uh, sees three kids and they basically just get into shenanigans while they're on this trip. So there's like a minor kind of love story between Timothy Chalamet and, uh, the the teacher character Mm -hmm. which 
gets a little creepy, but that's kind of the point, you know? Because, like, she recognizes that it's wrong, and they, like... I don't want to give anything away, because I think you guys would enjoy it, but... Um, the main character is played by Lily, Lily Rob or Lily Rabe, uh, who is known for, um, uh, I think someone told me she's an American horror story. Um, apparently she's yes. in Mona Lisa Smile. I had, I don't think I had seen anything that she's in, but I really enjoyed her performance. Uh, yeah, it's, it's a really low budget, uh, kind of comedic drama film, uh, Totally worth watching. It's on Netflix. Uh, Timothy Chalamet is really good in it. He's kind of... So him and the main character are very good. Uh, The two other student characters are kind of annoying. You have kind of like a preppy, very attractive chick who who happens to be in the theater. But she still comes across as like, you know, a preppy girl. And then you have like, of course, like the flamboyantly gay theater of actors, course you know mm-hmm. so it's a little cliche in that regard but there's some like honest like emotional moments um it was good i, I would i think i rated it like a four out of five you know mm-hmm. um so totally worth checking out it's a short watch it's like under 90 minutes like it's, it's my good. favorite definitely check it out all right um and i think i might have like one other thing to talk about but travis what do you, what do you got left um, gladiator are we talking about Gladiator? <laughs> uh, we talked about this on the show last week because we did an Oscar bracket and somehow Gladiator made it to the finals. But having revisited it, mm-hmm. that movie is fucking sweet. Did you cry when he found his wife's corpse? No, but I've also seen... I saw Gladiator probably 20 times when I was younger. So, you know. Yeah. It's the only second time I've seen it. And we did watch the extended cut of the film. So it's two hours and 50 minutes versus two hours and yeah. like 35, yeah. like right around there. From what you guys were saying, it sounds like, uh, unfortunately, it doesn't add the things that you want. Unnecessary, yeah. Yeah, it adds in more more backstory. It's mostly like the behind the scenes, like politicking stuff between uh, Joaquin mm-hmm. Phoenix's character, Commodus, and like the Senate. Because com- Men in white togas you can't tell apart. Yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> There's old white dudes. like, And uh, the right. whole thing is that Commodus wants to like disband the Senate so it's uh, mm-hmm. uh, he's just the emperor, you know, as opposed to it being a republic. Um, but if the movie holds up better than I thought it would, honestly. Mm-hmm. I mean, this being your second watch, Travis, like, it sounds like you didn't like it as much as I um, like it, but it's a good movie, right? Like, Yeah, no, it's a good movie. Um, Were you not entertained? I was definitely entertained. <laughs> uh, but does it need to be three hours long? No. Again, extended. Two and a half or hours, though. Two and I a mean, half. I do think it... it you know, yeah, it's a whole journey. It might still know? be stretching at two and a half, but I don't think so, dude. Mm-mm. This is like a two, two, two hour, fifteen minute type movie. Narrow wasted no. scene. <laughs> um, like the battle sequences are cool. Um, some of the editing—they're more than cool. Yeah, some of the editing is weird. Sure. Like w- when he has like just like a few seconds of the sky and then it like cuts to like a horse galloping through <laughs> the woods and then it, it cuts to him like. Just like touching the long grass. Oh, I love that. <laughs> See, I love that too. What I what I don't like is that in in especially early on, like in the main like battle scene, and it like speed ramps it too, and I'm just like, what is the point of all this? Well, so <laughs> in that in that first battle sequence, it like 
slows down the camera. It's almost like there's frames removed. You know, it's like kind of choppy. It's not quite slow motion, but it looks like. You yeah, know what I'm talking I know about? you're talking. About. I don't like that effect. Yeah, it seemed like kind of amateurish. You know, yeah. like that opening battle sequence is awesome. Excuse me, is awesome outside of when it does that. It looks. It doesn't look good. <laughs> right. And some of like the shots of CG don't hold up as well of like the the city of the green screen work. Yeah. Doesn't hold. But, you know, the movie came out in 2000. You know? Right. Um, but so I was hyping up the speech that he gives to the soldiers. It's not as good of a speech. He has like as one thought. good line. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I thought it was like better. But the one good line is uh, what we do in life. Mm. Echoes in eternity. <laughs> That's a fucking sweet line. But I thought the speech itself was like, it's not a bad speech. But no. Yeah. I was like, here comes Travis. Are yeah. you fucking ready? <laughs> it's an epic line, but not an epic speech. So that was a little bit of a letdown. I prefer the slave owner's speech where he's like, some of you will die. <laughs> but others will live. Walking uh, Phoenix, he's good in it at times, but other times I feel like he just is a little too whiny and a little too little bitch. Of <laughs> the, I mean, he's, the, he's supposed to be though, like the yeah. whiny thing, because he's supposed to be this like privileged, like hasn't done anything in his life. He and fights he's... three guys shirtless in the snow, though. That looked pretty that? cool, though. That looked pretty cool. <laughs> You'd think he would have kicked more ass in his battle yeah. against uh, Maximus, yeah, but he got his ass whooped even though Maximus was fucking dying from poison. Yeah. yeah. He's a coward. That scene, though, like the rose petals, mm-hmm. like, and, uh, and Commodus is like white, like, fucking. Oh, it's <laughs> his, his garment. Yeah. Like, it looks so good. E- oh. Every battle in the Coliseum is amazing. And even the early stuff, like there's that like tag team match early on where they're chained to each other, you know? Mm, yeah. That's fucking dope. That dude's helmet. Like oh, the, and they're like the big one. People. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, he, and then what Travis is talking about is when they're like the, it's the the one with the tigers on the chains. Like the, the, the yeah. gladiator comes out of retirement and he's fucking jacked like like yeah. the big show or some shit. You yeah. Know? He has a mask. And he wears that. Oh, he's got yeah. that silver like tiger helmet mask but then yeah he has like a little like face shield that's yeah just a person's face (laughs) and one of my favorite moments in the movie it's not a reveal but it is within the movie uh the first time maximus competes in in the coliseum and he's wearing the mask and commodus wants to meet the gladiator oh yeah and he like won't tell him who he is and he turns his back and he's Mm. like don't you turn your back on me whatever he's like show your face gladiator (laughs) and then he just like you know takes a deep breath and he takes it off and he's like i am maximus but i'm a decimus commander of the whatever and it's just like Uh, fucking get him dude (laughs) like oh it's so good (laughs) it's a gritty scene yeah dude i fucking love gladiator i realize uh, what's his name lucas (laughs) He comes and he's like, Gladiator. Lucius. Lucius, Lucius. yeah. Gladiator. <laughs> Are those your horses? <laughs> and he's British for some reason. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely a good movie, but I just think there's better movies out there that are like that. And this movie comes out today. It doesn't win Best Picture. Russell Crowe does not win Best Actor. Right? Agreed? Yeah. I Come mean... on. <laughs> hey, you, you touch a few things up. Some better special effects. Maybe uh, maybe some structural changes, and you still got a winner of a film. Russell Crowe drops like fifty pounds to get back into Max. <laughs> yeah, <machine>. right. <laughs> well, no, played by Tom Hardy for sure. Oh, oh my yeah, God. remake. I would be hyped. On there that. has been rumors of a sequel, I guess. Oh. To Glad- what? But I don't know how. He's dead. I know. <laughs> 
Maybe maybe Lucius becomes, um, or maybe they just like follow through like the decline of the Roman Empire. I guess because they put that one dude in power. I don't know. I don't know. Movie's dope. Braveheart's better. No, agreed. No, yeah, you guys are crazy. <laughs> Mel Gibson rules. Oh, best crier in Hollywood. I've said it before. I'll say it again. No one cries like Mel Gibson. <laughs> uh, all right. What else you got, Travis? I think that's pretty much it. Is it? Yeah. Um. Do you have anything else? Let me let me check the list. I feel like I might have had one other. What time are we at? Um, hour and a half. Okay. No, I guess that's it. There might have been one other thing I watched, like TV or something, but it's not important. We got Rotten Toms. Yeah, we're going to bring back our Rotten Tomatoes game. Yeah. Um, so let's get into that. So uh, it's Tom's turn. Yeah. So tell us uh, tell us what you picked. Okay. Hold on. I got to find it. Wait, real quick. How many stars is Gladiator? Five stars. No way. <laughs> That's too high. No way, dude. It's a four-star movie. What's wrong with it? <laughs> I already said. <laughs> well, the green screen doesn't hold up. Like, well, give it a break. No, some of the editing I don't like. <laughs> and um, yeah, it doesn't hold up in as well. And there's just better movies out there, and it's a little too long. I'd give it five. Maybe four point no. five. I I could live with a four point five. I could maybe give it a four point five, but it's a little bit of a stretch at that point. It it's gets just, it gets five on nostalgia. It's for me. so entertaining. Yeah, totally. It's so entertaining. I don't know about that. It's entertaining, but like, like I'm not dying to go rewatch it anytime soon. <laughs> <laughs> it's a dope movie. Well, also at that time, I don't think there were a lot of action scenes like that that really could this was like the raw raw like if you wanted to be cool this is the movie that you would champion gladiator fight club gladiator 300 don't lump in gladiator (laughs) with fight club you piece and 300 you know how i feel about all right we're moving on okay okay i chose stalker i saw it when i was in college in a well like a not a dedicated film class but it was half film uh it's from 1979 directed by andre tarkovsky blew your mind yeah kind of blew my mind um it's so weird it has a an eerie feeling about it yeah seems like a movie you'd have to watch at least like three times i've seen it yeah i've seen it oh i guess i've seen it a couple times actually um anyway yeah 1979 uh i'll read the uh letterboxed synopsis here near a gray and unnamed city is the zone a place guarded by barbed wire and soldiers and where the normal laws of physics are victim to frequent anomalies oh, a stalker guides two men into the zone specifically to an area in which deep-seated desires are granted wow this movie sounds fucking sweet <laughs> i own the criterion of this movie yeah. but i've never seen it I think this movie is pretty special, especially in the sci-fi realm. So. We should explain real quick before we get into the actual game. It's been a while since we've played this, mm. and uh, we have some new listeners who right. may not have listened to an episode where we've done this, but essentially how the game works is we take turns <laughs> picking a movie. Uh, the only requirement is that you have to have seen the movie yourself, and the other two people have not seen the movie. 
So you can either, well, I guess we've broken that rule a little bit with like troll picks, right? Tom did, yeah. Well, no, I did. I picked Vampire Academy. Oh, right. Um, But anyway, the goal is that you either... uh, My other one star. Vampire (laughs) Academy. (laughs) That and Cloverfield. (laughs) You try to, the goal is that you either want to expose someone else to a film that you really love, that you think you want the other people to see, or... In Travis's case, force upon another individual their worst nightmare. There's only one. Mine okay. being trash hunters. <laughs> <laughs> I lived through that hell, and I'm now here today, to able to story. tell the story. I'm a survivor. <laughs> um, so anyway, so in this case, Tom's there's going also, on the positive. I think side. there's also some um, like pride and honor taken in defeating your enemies oh yes by getting closer to the rotten tomatoes score yeah i guess i didn't talk about the actual game itself because it does prove if not your better sense in film your better sense of what rotten tomatoes will give a film yeah (laughs) (laughs) so essentially what we've done is travis and i have both written down a percentage so what we're doing is we're trying to guess the critical score of a film on Rotten Tomatoes, and whoever is closer wins, and the loser has to watch the movie. It's pretty but neck and neck. In this case, case right? we're both watching it, Matt. I, I think either way, we're both <laughs> probably going to watch it. Um, yeah, we're just playing for Because you own it, so trying to borrow it or just watch it with you. Yeah, yeah, I'm down to watch it. And what Tom was saying is that the score is pretty close. Like, I think Travis is in last, but yeah. only by, like, maybe one movie. And then Tom and I, I think, are neck and neck. Maybe one of us have, like, one movie leg up. We'll have to check the record. and I'll and update the standings tally it for up. next episode. All right. Without further ado, we have our first submission, which is from Mateo. He gets to 96%. Jesus. Pretty bold. Uh-oh. Travis does not feel confident about his score. No, I score. do. Oh, I do. Oh, oh, oh. I'm like, oh. Matt gave it too high of a score. Oh, I got you. Travis, 85%. The real score that Rotten Tomatoes gave this with 31 critical reviews is 100%. Oh, my God. Ooh, baby! <laughs> God yeah. Tom, you need to Get quit fun. picking these 100% movies. This is uh, fucking bullshit. Yeah, I didn't oh, go 100% I'm sorry that I'm giving you a 100% movie to watch <laughs> instead of some fucking Vampire Academy bullshit. That's true. But this is almost three hours long, so Dude, we just watched a three-hour-long movie last week. What's oh, your I know. Uh, I'm st- still recovering. <laughs> Anyway, uh, the battle goes to Matt, but the war's God not over. damn it. You no, know, there's a lot of battles to, to be had. So Yeah, let's keep doing this. Give me a chance to come back. <laughs> All right. Well, I'll do it for the Rotten Tomatoes game. So we'll talk about it next week. Travis and I, I think we'll both watch it together. So we'll both be able to report back. But next week, uh, the featured review, it's got to be Black, Black Panther. Panther, right? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. It's got to be Black Panther. Does Annihilation come out the following week i think that's the last weekend of february yeah, i think you're right so maybe i think it comes out the 20 let me look at the calendar we actually we might actually be able to make that work because it might come out the weekend it does we i think it comes out the 23rd and we'll record the 24th or 25th so if it is in fact playing in seattle we should i mean i think we're all really excited for for annihilation totally so if we could do like a black panther annihilation double feature that would be cool you guys are more excited but I'm excited still. Well, we're also ex machina super fans over here, so mm. um, four so yeah, and a half. Most likely, that is going to be the next episode. So we'll be back in a couple of weeks. But in the meantime, 
If anybody would like to write in to us, our email address is cinephilesdigest at gmail.com. On the last episode, we had reached out to some of our listeners who do not live in Washington State, because there are quite a few of them out there, to write in and just tell us about yourself. Ask us a question, prompt something for discussion. You can ask us. It doesn't even have to be movie related if you just want to stimulate some banter about what the worst light beer we've ever had is or uh you know well it's definitely not rolling rock that's for sure <laughs> this episode has been brought to you by rolling rock king of beer premium it's been beer brought to you by seven rolling rocks <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah you can send us an email we'd be happy to hear from you um actually you know what let's uh, uh travis your brother actually wrote into us a couple weeks ago and i forgot to mention anything on the last episode like this is different from best of 2017 yeah remember we had asked at the end of our best of 2017 episode to write in regarding your favorite host oh god well (laughs) uh your brother did oh god Uh, oh he actually wrote in two things so let's let's do this real quick so apparently we had brought up the conversation of man crushes Mm. uh Tom, you'll like this. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tyler wrote in, since you guys were on the topic of man crushes last week, I just have to throw my boy Tom Hardy in the mix. Mm-hmm. At least Tom knows a real man when he sees one. Keep <laughs> up the great work, nerds. <laughs> Postscript, Tom has now become my fav- my new favorite host. Yes, wow. thank you. Wow, follow up, a lot, Follow up email titled, Back on Top, Baby. All right, sorry, Tom. I love you, but damn, Travis got me at the end of the podcast. <laughs> Crying like a baby playing Madden couldn't be more fitting. Travis is still my favorite host, but I love you all. <laughs> Thanks for writing in, bud. Uh, the rest of you jabronis out there, if you want to write in, let us know who your favorite host is. We'll keep a, we'll keep a running tally. Uh you can like us on Facebook, Cinephiles Digest. Follow us on Twitter, at Cinephile Digest. You guys know the drill. Uh, if anyone wants to submit an iTunes or Apple Podcast review, that'll help us get more visibility. Um, so if you want to take a minute or two of your time and do that, we would really appreciate it. We'll be back in a couple weeks. Anything else before we take off, guys? One love. Travis, are you just going <laughs> to stare at me? <laughs> Just say one love, Travis. Uh, true life. <laughs> okay. So, like, were we trying to come up with a catchphrase? A podcast or... story. A new sign-off. It's true life. <laughs> Coming at you every two weeks, live. Everyone needs a sign-off, so Tom's is one love, I guess. Uh, true life. <laughs> Choose life. How about that? Choose life. It's a train spotting not... reference. I just want to go out there and say we are not a pro-life podcast. We are a Travis pro-choice podcast. <laughs> Not that we get into politics, but anyway. Thank you, everyone, for listening. We'll be back in a couple of weeks. Everyone.